Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. to jump into our scripture. And guys, we're second week in our Discover Abundance series. And this week, if you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me. Um, We're in chapter six of the book of Luke. It says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, Offer the other cheek also, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. I I love, (laughs) I really love that that bumper. Um, And and here's one of the reasons. So you may be thinking, why why Stranger Things? If you're not familiar with that, it's a Stranger Things reference. Um, And so there's a few reasons. One... We're just in an awkward time. And two, this is kind of an awkward topic we're dealing with. Discover abundance, a series on giving, generosity. Uh, that's what we're talking about over the next four sermons. Um, and you're like, okay, that's, that's awkward even in this time. And, and I actually think there's no better time to talk about discovering abundance than now, when so much has been stripped from us. And hopefully now we can actually see clearly to see the, the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. And, and so Stranger Things is, is the reference because uh, in, in, the, in the show, it talks about the upside down, right? And, and guys, we, we as followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus joining us this morning, uh, we are in an upside down kingdom. The kingdom that we are citizens of, if you're a follower of Jesus, is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And that, that kingdom does not operate on the same principles as the kingdom of this world. And so it's an upside-down kingdom. In the book of Acts, when, when the apostles are going out and, and when, they're, when they're sharing their faith, when they are helping the needy, when they are selling their possessions and giving to the poor, when they are helping each other and living, living in, uh, in, in common with one another and all these things, uh, the, the educated of the day, the, the, those who think they have it all together, they say, who are these guys? What are they doing? They say they're turning the world upside down. 
right? And that's, that's, the, that's the reality that Jesus has called us into this morning. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that's the reality he's called you to live in. And it's tough, guys. It's tough because the reality in which we live in, the, the, the reality we see is the, is the kingdom of this world when we look around. And, and that is constantly pulling us in different directions. Uh, but, but this morning, I'm hoping to take us a little step further to see with kingdom eyes, to see with spiritual eyes, to see with God's eyes, to see how God sees this world. And that is through the lens of the kingdom of heaven. And so last week, we talked about uh, just at least being willing to be generous. It was kind of an intro into the generous life. It was an intro to help you discover abundance in your life. And, and it was just getting us, getting kind of a foot in the door. Like I just want you, from last week, I just wanted you to at least be willing to see that God has called us to live a life of generosity. I just wanted you to, to say, oh, that may be a step towards discovering the abundant life. This week, we're going to get a little more radical because that's what happens in this passage. You, you heard Missy read this passage. It's pretty radical. We're going to talk about a radical perspective shift, a radical shift in generosity. Just, just everything here is, is yeah, it's, it's just radical. And, and the context of this passage, guys, is a Sermon on the Mount. So... Um, just before this, a few verses before, Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount. He starts with the Beatitudes. And Luke adds in some, some woes here. And the first Beatitude he starts with, guys, is, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are poor. Are you ready this morning to be poor for the kingdom of God? This doesn't say poor in spirit, right? We're, we're, not, we're not talking about that this morning. Now, there, there is this, uh, there is this uh, understanding, too, that, that there's a poor in spirit here. And, and in, <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 5, you, you, also have, you also have the Beatitudes. And, and, and there it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, they're not contradicting one another. What they're doing is saying, we need both. There's a poor spiritually, and there's a poorness that happens materially in order to see the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And guys, so, so many of us, so, so much of our lives are, are in pursuit of, of accruing and, get, and, and getting material possessions, wealth, money, things like that, because we think that that makes us more comfortable. Here, Jesus is saying, who are the blessed? Who are the ones who actually find true joy? Who are the ones who actually discover abundance, it's the poor. It's those who are willing to be poor. It's those who are not holding on to their, their material wealth and their possessions and their money, right? And, the, and, and, don't, and hear me, and, hear, and we're going to walk through this, but hear me. Uh, that doesn't mean you got to necessarily that you have to go sell everything. You, you have to live uh, a monk lifestyle or, or a beggar's lifestyle, but it should mean you're willing to. And many of us, we come to God like this, with closed fists. We don't come to God like this, with open hands. And as we were preparing for this morning, uh, we were praying this over us and over our church and over those who will be joining us on this live stream, that we would just come to God with open hands. That's how you're going to start to discover abundance. The chapter right before this 
in, 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 in Luke <clears throat> chapter, chapter 5 here, Luke, Luke tells the account of Jesus calling Levi as one of his disciples, who is also known as Matthew, the, the writer of the Gospel of Matthew. And, and so he, Jesus is walking by, and he calls Levi out from behind the tax collector's booth. That's what Levi was. He was a tax collector, which means Levi was sitting there betraying his own people, okay? He was betraying his own people by, by working for an, the oppressive regime, the, the Romans at that time. Uh, he was cheating his own people because odds are, and this is what tax collectors did back then, uh, they, they uh, and so if you work for the CRA or the IRS this morning, don't think that we're talking about you. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you're not cheating us. Um, uh, yeah, so this is tax collectors back in the day. So he was cheating his, his, his own people because what he would do, or what they would do is they would collect money and they would charge them more so that three, he could steal from his own people and he could take stuff off the top. So he would, he would take some for his own. So he was, he was just consumed with the love of money. He was a slave to it. He was working for it. He was, he was doing it because he thought that's where he was gonna fulfill his needs and his desires and his wants, where he was getting satisfaction. He thought if I accrued these things, I would have abundance. And Jesus walks by and says two words to him. Follow me. And the next verse says, immediately Levi gets up, leaves everything and follows Jesus. In the next passage, he has a huge feast for Jesus. So he just gave up his source of income and then he lavishes his material possessions onto Jesus and has a huge feast for him. Guys, are you, are you willing to do that to follow Jesus? Are you willing to, to give up everything? Are you willing to give up your source of income? Let's just start there. Are you willing to give up your source of income to follow Jesus? That's exactly what Levi did. He, he just left, and you might be saying, and you might be saying, well, uh, Jesus wouldn't ask me to do that today. He wouldn't ask me to leave my job. I need my job to, to live in my, my apartment, condo, house, whatever. I, I need my job to eat. I need, guys, that's exactly what Jesus did to Matthew, to Levi, to all the disciples. Guys, that is discipleship. You might be saying, well, if Jesus asked me to do that, yeah, I, I would do that. That is what he's asking you to do. He's asking you to leave everything in order to discover everything, to discover abundance. He says, the one who holds on to his soul in his life will lose it in the end. But the one who loses his life for my sake, he's the one who will find it. He says, be living sacrifices. Guys, die to yourself. Off yourself to God. That's exactly what he's asking you to do. Okay, and, and now you might be saying, okay, am I supposed to quit my job? Or not? Guys, I'm not saying you need, to, you need to, but I'm saying you at least need to be willing to. And that's what we're talking about this morning. This radical understanding of the life of Christ and, and, and the life we're supposed to live. I've been reading a book on the decline of the church and of Christianity in Canada, and uh, just the history of it and how it's going down, and 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 where and, and so I understand where we are now and how we got to where we are now, 
And do you know the number one reason in this study that says why we are where we are now? Where the church, okay, here's, here's a picture of the church today, guys. We are irrelevant. We are parasites on society. Like we don't pay taxes. We, we ask people for money, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we, we don't help build society. This is of the church in general. If you're part of Trinity Life Church, I hope for these first three things that I just mentioned, you say, well, that's not true of our church. I hope that was your reaction this morning, because it's not. Um, you know, and I can go on on the list. Like, we, we are, we're just this kind of annoying mosquito in society that no one really wants, uh, and, and we're trying to push it away, right? Um, and you know how the church got there? And, and why the church is there today in our history here in Canada? It's because we stopped living radically. We became more part of the kingdom of the world than the kingdom of heaven. And guys, the one who wrote this study that I'm reading right now, he's not a, he's not a Christian. He's not a follower of Jesus. He says, I, when I, he says this, when I read the Bible, man, if you're to follow Jesus, it looks radical. But when I look at the church today, it looks nothing like that. So why would anyone want that? And this is a guy who's outside of the church, okay? And he's looking in. Guys, we need to reclaim that. I don't want anyone saying that about, about Trinity life. I don't want anyone saying that about, about the, ch- the church, the bride of Christ. And for us in our local church here at Trinity Life, we have a responsibility and a privilege to live out the life of Christ before our city. That's why for us, boldness is from has always been from the beginning and is now one of our core values because we want to always take risks of faith. Missy talked earlier about the temporary food bank that we've opened up. Guys, like we know nothing about doing this, okay? It's not our philosophy of engagement, but this is crisis time. It's it's not something we have the skills for, but we know where to get them. Uh, it's it's not something we necessarily even even uh, would choose to do apart from this. Uh, but we know it's needed, we know it's necessary, and we're like, you know what? We can do this, and, and we want to help our community. Guys, that's, that's radical generosity, right? And, and so if you're, if you're wondering this week, should I volunteer, should I not? I'm worried about stuff. Guys, live radically for Jesus. We want to be a church that's known for that. That's going to build credibility for the kingdom in our city, right? rather than just being safe. Let's live radically. Now, just because we're, we're, saying, uh, uh, we're saying live radically doesn't mean we, we live foolishly, okay? We, <laughs> hear me well. Like, we want to abide by our government. That's Romans 13. We want to we listen to all the necessary precautions. We want to take truth in medicine and the medical field and, and, and abide by that. But don't let, don't let, the, don't let comfort take away from you living radically for the kingdom of God. And that's what this passage is all about. Jesus calls Levi, he calls Matthew, he calls from behind the tax collector's table, and he gives up everything. He gives up everything for the kingdom, even his source of income, to follow Jesus around with 11 other men living off a common purse where Jesus says, I have nowhere to lay my head. That's radical. And those are the guys who change the world. That's the tradition we live in. And you know what? Christianity... When, when Jesus, and Jesus didn't come to start a new religion, but when Jesus started this, he wasn't welcomed in, in a society. Everyone wasn't like, oh, these guys are the best. 
These guys all died and were martyred for their faith. So that's the context we're in. We're learning how to be kingdom citizens. We're learning in the context of the Sermon on the Mount how to live for Jesus. So let's go to this passage. It says in verse 27, But I say to you who hear, ah, is that you this morning? Are you listening? Do you hear the words of God this morning? Because that's who we're talking to. That's who this passage is to. I say to you who hear, love your enemies. So Jesus is about to enter this sort of progression through these scripture, through, through these, uh, scripture verses. And so he says, love your enemies. Just that, guys, alone is a radical statement. Love your enemies. You know, we talked about our multi-faith work earlier. And I don't know how you guys took that. Some of you guys may know about it. Some of you guys may not. Uh, but these are some common things I get for people when they hear about the multi-faith work we're doing. Uh, these common responses I get is, is uh, well, what if you compromise your beliefs? What if you compromise your faith um, uh, in, in talking to people of other faiths? Or, or, or what if, what if um, they, they try to convert you? Uh, I wouldn't expect anything less, by the way. If they really believe in their faith, they should do that. Um, and, and that's how multi-faith works. It's, it's built off of love because they're loving me. So, uh, you know, or, or people say, well, well uh, those, those people don't like us, you know, or those people, and I can go on and on. There's a list of, there's a list of them. Guys, love your enemies. Number one, most of these people that we work with in the multi-faith arena, they're not out to get us. Uh, so they're not even our enemies. But there are perceived enemies by, by a lot of people. That, that's the perception that, that we are against them or they're against us. Uh, that's the societal, cultural perception, right? Um, so start with loving your enemies. You're going to find out that they're not even your enemies. But love them. Do good to those who hate you. Yeah, so he starts off here with, with um, something that's, that should be fairly easy. Verse 28 Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. He's just talking about words here. Okay? We haven't even moved into action. We're just talking about words you speak. When someone curses you, when they say something bad about you, when they say something to you, either to your face or behind your back, are you, can you bless them? Are you willing to bless them instead of curse them? You know, uh, Paul says, do not repay evil for evil. Right? But oftentimes, that's what we look like as Christians. That's what we look like as followers of Jesus. We just repay evil for evil. But he says here, when someone speaks evil against you, when they curse you, what do you do? You bless them. That's a kingdom citizen. You bless them. As I have (laughs) had the opportunity to do this many, many, many times since we started Trinity Life Church, you would... Uh, you'd be shocked if I told you how many times I've been cursed as a leader of a church by those inside the church. I'm not even talking about people outside the church, guys. I'm not talking about people outside the church at all. I'm talking about people inside the church who claim to be Christians and followers of Jesus. Your only response, guys, is to bless. Bless, Jesus says. Don't curse. Don't repay evil for evil. And if you can do that, that frees you and that frees the other person. But you want the other person to be bound, but, but be willing to, to free them into their identity and destiny in Christ by showing them a more excellent way. Paul says that more excellent way in 1 Corinthians 13 is what? It's love. Jesus says here, 
Love your enemies. Bless them. Don't curse them. Pray for them. Guys, just start praying. Just, just pray for them. And then bless them. 29. Now we get into something more physical. He says, to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other one also. And for the one who steals something from you, who takes your cloak, this is like if someone took my jacket, basically, I'll give him my shirt too. That's, that's basically the, the imagery here. Someone rips this off your back, well, stay here, have this too. So you're going the, the extra mile to show the love of Christ here. Because Jesus did that for us. Verse 30, give everyone, or give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And here's the golden rule, what, what it's typically known as. Verse 31, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Guys, this isn't something new. Jesus didn't, uh, this isn't the first time they would have heard this statement. You know, so this isn't as groundbreaking of a statement yet. Because this is, you could, you could trace this statement from verse 31 all through the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures. Um, you could find it in Buddhism, uh, you know, a couple hundred years earlier. Um, like, it's, it's, not, it's not that radical, right? As you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. But what follows is, okay? So Jesus uses that as, as like the entry point. And everyone's kind of like, oh, yeah, we've heard that before. Yeah, of course. That's, that's just like basic humanity, Jesus. Uh, verse 32, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? So it's almost like he, he knew everyone was going to say, yeah, easy, Jesus, sure. And then he says, wait a second. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And here, he's going to have, have two groups here. He's, he's talking about sinners here. He uses that word. And, and what he means is those who are still stuck in their sin, right? And, and so if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, that, that <clears throat> Jesus would say, that's you, that you are still stuck in your sin. You're still stuck in the bondage of it. And you feel it, right? You feel it in your flesh, in your mind, in your heart. You feel the tension there to, to um, not want to do certain things. But then... Really, it's, it's tough. When you don't have the power of the Spirit, um, it, you, all, really all you can do is, is go into your flesh, right? But those of you who are followers of Jesus, who have the power of the Spirit, uh, you have the ability not to be stuck in sin. Jesus, Jesus has freed you from that. He's freed you from the bondage of that. He's released you, right? So that's your reality today if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, and so here, he's talking about to those, he's saying, even those who are stuck in the bondage of sin, they love those who love them. Like, anybody does that, is, is basically what he's saying. In verse 33, and if, and if you do good to those who do good to you, and here you see another progression, guys. So love, maybe that's more emotional, right? Um, even though the Bible does talk about love as an action word. Uh, but then here, if you do good, so that's definitely action, if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same, okay? Same, same logic there Jesus is laying out for us. Verse 34, and, this is kind of where the rubber meets the road, and if you lend to those from who you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? 
even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But we who have been redeemed by the power and blood of Christ Jesus, we are to love our enemies. I can't do that, guys, apart from the power of the Spirit in me. I can't. I can't do any of this. I can't, I can't bless those who curse me. I can't do good to those who do poorly to me, who do evil against me. And if someone, and if I lend someone money, yeah, I expect it back without the power of the Spirit in me. You can only do these things. This is a kingdom citizen. You can only do these things with the power of the Spirit. And those of you who are followers of Jesus now have a responsibility and a privilege to do them. And if you really want to discover abundance, guys, these are the first steps. If you want to discover the abundant life that Jesus came to give us, which he talks about in John 10, right? John 10, 10, he says, I came to give you life to the full, abundant life. And, and that's not like living and breathing life. That's, uh, that's the Greek word bios. Um, it's, it's the word zoe. It's the word a different quality of living. And Jesus says, I came to give that to you. Don't be stuck in your sin like, like everyone else. I came to free you from that, to live in the upside down kingdom, to not worry about those things. I came to give you something more, something else, and you're still holding on to those things. But in the power of the Spirit, guys, you can bless those who curse you. You can do good to those. You can love people who don't love you. Because that's the implication, right? We're supposed to love those, not just who love us, but love those who hate us. We're not supposed to just do good to those who do good to us. We're supposed to do good to those who do evil against us. And we're not supposed to lend to those who can give us money back. We're to lend and not expect anything in return. In verse 35, he says, but love your enemies. All these verbs in, in verse 35 are in the present imperative, meaning that they are continual things that Jesus commands to happen in the kingdom citizen's life. So love your enemies, number one, and keep on loving them. Do good and keep on doing good, whether you see return on it or not. And lend, expecting nothing in return. And, ooh, let's, let's stop there, actually. That's the kingdom. Those are the kingdom initiatives, guys. That's what we're supposed to do. So let me give you four things here to help you along with this, because I don't know where you are right now in this, um, but that's a pretty radical generosity. That's a radical way of living. And we can only do it with the power of the Spirit. Guys, in our flesh, we can't do this. Don't even try. It'll just create bitterness in here. You have to in the power of the Spirit. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you have that. Okay? And we're to look different from the world in this. We're to look different from the world in this. How is anyone going to want what, what we have and, and the life that we've chosen to live? So, let me give you four things, four principles for borrowing and lending. Number one, never, they all start with never, all four start with never. Never go into debt for things that you want. Never go into debt for things that you want. Okay, let me break that down a little bit. So the Bible doesn't call, doesn't explicitly call debt sin, okay? 
But the Bible strongly urges against going into debt. The Bible also talks about borrowing and lending like it is a given. But that doesn't mean that it's God's way because the Bible also talks about borrowing and lending in Proverbs 32, for instance, as the the borrower being slave to the lender. And then in Romans 13, it says, owe no one anything. Okay, so you have verses like that. And and before you say, well, what context is that in? Yes, go look at the context in Romans 13. It's about money. Go look at, uh, and it says, owe no one anything except what? To love. Except to love, which is what what Jesus is saying here. So go look at those verses in their context. Uh, But uh, the Bible doesn't speak highly about borrowing at all. It actually urges us against it because it's saying you are you're putting yourself at the very least, and this is this is almost a, a a euphemistic word for it, because the Bible says you're basically putting yourself into slavery, but but at the very least, if you want to euphemize that a little bit, uh, let, let, let's say uh, you're at the very least restricting yourself. You're restricting discovering abundance in your life. You're restricting the abundant life that Jesus came to give you, and and you're restricting the freedom that you have in Christ. So at the very least, you're doing that. So recognize the debt that you have for what it is. At the very least, it's a restriction. It's a restriction on the life that Jesus wants you to live. And so even though the Bible doesn't explicitly call debt sin, does that mean you should go into debt? Well, uh, first of all, If you're asking in your life, if you make choices on whether something is sin or not sin, that's not the best question. Now, because you have the Spirit of God and you're you're a follower of Jesus, so you know what is sin and what isn't. So don't make your decision necessarily based on, is that sinful or is that not sinful? Make your decisions based on a new rule of thumb that Paul gives us. Is it beneficial? Is it beneficial for the kingdom? Should be in brackets there. Because you, we can all subjectivize what's beneficial for us, right? Um, but is it beneficial for God's kingdom purposes? And here's the thing, guys. The Bible doesn't make distinctions between good debt and bad debt. And we kind of do that in our culture. It just says debt is debt. Just recognize it for what it is. Debt is debt. It's restricting you somehow. And you might be saying, well, what if it's an investment? Well, if it's a true investment... You put up money to make more money. So think stocks and bonds, um, uh, maybe a, a savings account, although you don't get much return on the, those things anymore, or, uh, or maybe uh, a capital for business, right? Maybe you're an, an angel investor or something like that. Uh, so that's different. That's actually pure investing, right? You have money, and you are putting it in to multiply it. The Bible talks highly about doing things like that about multiplying resources and taking opportunities like that. Uh, so, but a lot of times we say, well, my home is an investment. So, but, but here's the thing, that's not money you have. You didn't take money you had and put it into that. So, but if you did, yes, your home is an investment because it appreciates. So if you bought your home in cash, you paid whatever, 200,000, 500,000, a million, whatever, how much your home cost, well, that's, that's different if you had that cash up front and you did that, right? But most, most people 
are, are in debt for their home. That's a mortgage, right? You're in debt for your home. And I'm not saying that's sinful, guys. And I'm not saying, I'm not necessarily saying uh, you shouldn't do that. What I am saying is that you are restricted. And just recognize it. And you're restricted. Your choices are restricted. And then for most of you, you've restricted yourself in the most fruitful, <laughs> and like the, the years of your life where you're the most healthy, you have the most energy, you want to do the most things, you're having your kids, and you've restricted yourself for those 30 years, that, that third of your life where a lot of exciting things are happening, and you've anchored yourself to a home, to a lot of money here in Toronto if, if you have a home here in Toronto. And, and, and so this morning, we're not condemning you for that. We're just saying, recognize it. That's going to help you identify the restrictions and, and then do your best to get out of that debt so that you can live and experience the abundant life more than you are currently. And that's what we want for you. We really want that for you this morning. And, and, and guys, I can go on and on about this. We're running out of time because I have so much on this one topic and maybe we'll get into it in, in the Q&A uh, because uh, there's, yeah, I just have a bunch of stuff on this, a bunch of examples on this. I can share. If you ever want to talk about these things, you can always talk to me about these things. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Ask a bunch of people in our church who have talked to me about these things. I never tell them what to do. Um, I, just give them, I just give them some principles, right? And then you make your own decision on this. Now, some people, <laughs> I think they probably want me to tell them what to do, but uh, no, if it's not in the Bible, I'm not going to do that. But I'll give you some principles from the scriptures, and I'll give you some experience from my own life. Uh, number two, these ones will go faster. Never expect return from others. Never expect return from others. Guys, loans are okay. If you want to loan people money, if you want to loan someone money, um, that's okay. But you should always be prepared to forgive others' debts as your debts have been forgiven. That's Luke 11, a few chapters later, it's the Lord's Prayer. Loan people money. If they say, if they agree to pay you back, yeah, that's fine. You, people can pay you back. That's not against, that's not going to go against uh, you following Jesus. Right? Because you might honor, you might let someone honor you that way, right? Like if I loan Adam $1,000, he might say, hey, I really want to pay you back. And I say, hey, yeah, if, if you can one day, fine. If you can't, fine. Both are good, you know? And, and the thing is, sometimes when we loan people money, you expect them to pay you back in a certain time. And when they don't, what does that do? It creates bitterness, resentment, uh, disunity, uh, all the things the enemy start rooting themselves in your heart. So, you know, if I loan Adam $1,000 today um, and he never didn't pay me back ever until I, we were 90 years old, like that shouldn't have any bearing on my heart or his, right? Because I've given it freely and he can give it back freely or not. So never expect return from others. Be ready to forgive debts, as Luke 11 says. Number three, Never charge interest on loans. Never charge interest. That is clear from this. The kingdom ideal of generosity is to give. But if someone wants to pay you back, let them do that, right? But never, ever, ever charge, loan, or charge interest on a loan. You are never to profit off of someone else's hardships. Never. That is not the way of the kingdom. And guys, I can go into... And there's so many uh, examples from the scriptures on this that, that prohibit it from Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Exodus, Ezekiel. 
the Psalm 15 talks about uh, a marker of the righteous man is to not do this, is to not charge interest on loans. Uh, so there's so many things here. Um, and, and you might say, uh, you know, I'm not even going to go into this example, but, but um, there's, there's rebuttals here that I, I can give you rebuttals to, but just never do it. It's clear in the scriptures not to do it. Number four, never worry about material possessions. Never worry about material possessions. This is Luke chapter 12. We started talking about this passage last week. There's this parable that Jesus gives of the, the it's called the parable of the rich fool, where he is, he has all these crops and he's saving them in his barns, but he has too many for himself. So what does he do? He doesn't give them out to people. He tears down his barns and he builds bigger ones to store more of his stuff, to store more of his food. And, and, and then it says, you're, you, you fool, your life will be demanded of you tonight. And then Jesus goes into this, this, other, this other account that isn't a parable, but a, but a real account. And, and so never worry about material possessions. And you, and you might be saying, well, I have a savings account. I have this security blanket. Guys, those security blankets, are, are, uh, they can be prisons for you. Like, like, and, and someone asked last week, what's the difference between saving and hoarding? And I just want to say on, on this live stream, the difference between saving and hoarding is who are you doing it for? Ask yourself that question. Who are you doing it for? If you're, doing it, if you're saving for kingdom purposes, well, then you're able to release that money whenever those opportunities come up, and they will come up, and they come up a lot. Uh, if you're doing it for yourself or for your family or for your kids, uh, that's when you have a hold on, on things. Right? So kingdom, open hand. Anything else, closed hand. Never worry about material possessions. And he goes in and talks about not being anxious. God's going to supply all your needs. Uh, this, is, this is all Luke 12. And these all four of these are necessary to start living and discovering abundance. And he says here at the end, he says, your reward will be great. Be merciful, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. The key to your reward this morning and living this abundant life is sonship. The key this morning is that you are a child of God. And God gives good gifts to his children. Do you believe that this morning? Do you trust our Father this morning that he's been merciful to us and that we're to be merciful to others in return? Do you trust that he is good? Do you trust that I can actually not be anxious? Do you trust that, like he says here, that your reward will be great because you're a child of God? What reward are you searching for this morning? If you're searching for a material reward, Jesus says you can have it. You can have it. If you want the material reward, you can have it. It's not that difficult to fulfill your man-made dreams. He deals with that in the earlier Beatitudes. He says, but that's all you'll have. That will be your consolation. And you know, in the end, you will still mourn You'll still weep. You'll still be unsatisfied, he says. And he pronounces those woes. But if your reward is to be a son of the living God, to be a child to the Father, oh, that's the great reward. And you have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, and you are a servant to the God of infinite, resources. 
And so this morning, if you're upset right now with people not giving you money, not giving it back to you, or losing money in the stock market, or anything that I said this morning, or not getting the raise or promotion that you want, be merciful as your Father is merciful. That's a sobering reminder of what God's done for you this morning. And as I was finishing, as I was finishing preparing the sermon on Friday, I heard the Spirit say to me, just through the mind of Christ. He posed this question. He said, would you give all of your money, this was to me, would you give all of your money, all of your wealth, all of your possessions, just to see one person come to faith in Jesus Christ? And so I'm asking you that this morning. Would you give up everything that you currently have, all your money in your bank accounts, your job, your, your home, all your wealth, all your investments, all your possessions, all your, all your toys, all your books, all your clothes, all your, your car, your everything. Would you give up all of that just to see one person come to faith in Jesus Christ? And when the Spirit said that to me, I hesitated because I knew I'd have to answer that out loud on a live stream before you this morning. And if I said it out loud, that it, to me, that becomes reality when we speak things out. And so answer that out loud. If your answer is no, then you, got, then you need to ask Jesus to change your heart. You're not going to experience abundance and generosity like he wants us to. And I hesitated. And I didn't hesitate guys, because I haven't done this before. Because guys, I have done this already. And I moved to a different country to do this. And we left everything behind. It's amazing how much hold this stuff comes back on you just after a few short years. And I hesitated because I was like, would I do it again? And remember, these verbs that Jesus uses are in the present tense. They're to do good all the time, love your enemies constantly, to lend continually. And so I'm saying before you this morning that my answer is yes. And if your answer is yes to that, say it out loud and just dedicate everything to Jesus this morning. Picture him saying, follow me, those words he says to Levi, and say, yes, Jesus, I want radical generosity in my life. I want to discover abundance and I want to follow you this morning. If you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, this is your opportunity to do that as well, to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to this. Say, Jesus, I would, if this is true, yes, you can have everything. You have all of me, all of everything that I have. Just see someone else experience this. Be merciful as your Father has been merciful to you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. It is true, it is forming, it is transformative, and it is abundant. And I'm so grateful for it. And I would give up everything for you. And I do give up everything for you. Open-handedly, you have everything. It is all yours. And when that happened this past week, oh, I just felt your, your amazing presence. And I pray that into these homes where people are saying yes this morning to you. 
And so Jesus, use us as a radical church to turn this city upside down for your glory in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.